0: We have worshipped in song, we've worshipped in prayer, we've worshipped through communion, and now I invite you to worship with me as we come to look at God's Word together. If you have your Bibles, please take them out. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Once again, we're in 1 Corinthians. We've been in Corinthians for a number of weeks now, and Lord willing, we will continue for many more. 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, here in just a second, I'll start in verse 1. If you noticed in your bulletin, today's message is entitled, Time to Grow Up. You'll see why when we get to our text, why that's a, a fitting title. But in preparation for today's sermon, I ask a number of families who have little children to share with me some stories of what they thought was the funniest things their kids had ever said, or the funniest things that they could remember their kids saying. Now some of these are from my own family, some of these are from families in this church that you know, and then some of these are from families that you don't know in other churches. But one little boy, his mom told me, was having a conversation with his mom. This boy's about three years old at this point, and his mom, just being, you know, sweet and cute and funny with him, said, you know, you, you've got some hairy legs. And he said, well, yeah, that's because I'm becoming a man. He's three years old at this point. Think about how cute that would be, right? One little girl asked her mom if milk was only for men. And her mom looks back at her and says, no, why? And she said, because I always hear you talking about almond milk, mom. Almond milk? Anybody? Um, I, many of you know I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, and... My little boy is also a big Lord of the Rings fan. And a couple years ago, we woke up, my little boy Owen, to the news that there was no school that day. And the first thing out of his mouth was, yay, Smeagol is free, randomly. If you don't get that joke, see me later. But, I mean, my wife and I lost it that morning. One time I took a bunch of young kids. These are young kids from uh, my first church to a Mammoth Cave trip. We were touring Mammoth Cave. And when we got inside, there was one little boy who came with his mom. I was actually surprised his mom brought him on the trip because, you know, you're in that cave for a long time and you can't can't have a bathroom break in there. Well, little boy, right when we got into the cave, and he starts looking around and he says, this looks like my parents' garage. My mom used to teach preschool. And in the three-year-old class, they had a, a unit every year where they would talk about what you wanted to be when you grew up. And everybody would go around and everybody would take turns. Here's what I want to be when I grow up and present to the class. So one little boy, when they asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, I want to be a mailbox. My mom came home talking about that one and laughing her head off. One little boy, about three, used to watch Sesame Street all the time. And one of the characters on there had a magic wand that she used every time she wanted to go home. And she would say she poofed herself home. And so out in public, this little boy started to say he was going to poop himself home. One little boy in our church, you'll know who this is after I get done with this story, one little boy in our church had a baby sister that was born, and she came home from the hospital. A couple nights later, his grandmother called to ask how his night went, and he said, it was okay, but Nora spent the night again. And I think my favorite... When my little boy Owen was just a little bitty boy, he used to play all the time with my Dream Team figurines. I I saved these from when I was a kid. Ten figurines from the 1992 Dream Team, right? And there's ten of them. Now, those of you who knew who was on that team, they left out Chris Mullen and Christian Leitner, So they're not a part of these figurines. Just ten. Owen called John Stockton dad, and the rest were LeBron James. It was because of the color of their skin. John Stockton was dead, okay? So I say all this to say kids say the funniest things all the time. When, you, when you're, you're in a family, in a household, with little kids, it's hilarious and adorable all the time. We think kids are adorable when they say things like this. But when a grown man or a grown woman talks like this, we cringe. In today's text, Paul is telling us and telling the Corinthians It is time to grow up, because in the Corinthian church, there were grown men and women who were acting like little children, acting like babies. This is a tough text today. Sometimes God's Word encourages us and uplifts us. Other times, God's Word steps on our toes and punches us in the gut, and we need both. This text is one of the latter. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Our text today can be divided up quite nicely into two sections. The first four verses are a picture of the immature Christian. The immature Christian. And verses five through nine are a picture of a mature Christian. So we'll take them in turn. First, verses one through four, a picture of immaturity among Christians. Now, did you notice? He said in verse 4 that they're saying, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos. You remember all the way back to chapter 1, one of our first sermons in 1 Corinthians, talking about division in the church, Paul mentioned this same thing, this same type of division. They were dividing over who their favorite teacher was and whose disciple they were. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Peter. And Paul refers to that again here and he says it's a sign of their immaturity. Paul says they are still infants in Christ. Now, that would be fine if they were brand new Christians, but it seems as though they are not. See, a, a brand new Christian is an infant in Christ. For a brand new Christian, it's perfectly right and fitting that they would have milk, not solid food, and the spiritual nourishment that we are giving them, right? I'm not going to take a, a brand new Christian and go directly to the deepest theological debates of our age, right? We've got to grow. We've got to give them what they can handle when they can handle it. But apparently these were not new Christians. Here we've got grown men and women acting like babies. Grown men and women in the church acting like babies. He says they need milk, not solid food, which reminds us of another place in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, Starting in verse 12, the Hebrew writer writes this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. There's that same language in Hebrews that we see here in 1 Corinthians. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The writer to the Hebrews says he can't help them grow and mature like he wants to because they haven't gotten the basics down yet, even though they should be a teacher by now. They haven't yet gotten the basics down. They've been Christians for a good while, but he says they are still unskilled in God's Word. Immature Christians... Christians who have been Christians for a long time but have not been growing are unskilled in God's Word. And Paul says here in 1 Corinthians, for the Corinthian church, they are the same way. And the proof is in their actions. Notice in verses 3 and 4, their actions that show that they are acting like children, like babies. They're immature. He says there's jealousy and strife among you. That's a sign of an immature congregation full of grown men and women who act like babies. There's jealousy. There's strife. There's fights within your midst. Prideful divisions. Look at verse 4. He says, one says, I follow Paul and the other, I follow Apollos. They're dividing on these simple things and it's a sign of immaturity. Immaturity. These are signs that you've got grown men and women in the church acting like babies. Think about this with me for a second. When you have A baby, a genuine baby, in a room full of grown-ups, it brings everyone joy, right? Everyone joy. When there's a baby in the room full of grown-ups, it brings everyone joy. Everyone wants to hold her. Everyone's doing their best to try to make her laugh. Have you ever noticed the the ridiculous things that we do, the faces we make, and the, the noises we make trying to get babies to laugh? We look ridiculous, but we're willing to do it because if we can get that baby to laugh, it just brings everyone so much joy. We're willing to embarrass ourselves just to get a baby to laugh because everyone is is so joyful when that happens. Even grown men who are awkward with babies can't help but smile at an infant because an infant brings so much joy to the room. But when grown-ups act like babies, it's repulsive. When grown-ups act like babies, it's repulsive. Now, I need to preface this next section in my sermon because I'm going to go through some examples of immaturity among Christians. And I want you to know that I'm not up here passively, passive-aggressively saying this about people in our church. I don't have people in our church in mind here and I'm, I'm spouting off on them without using their names, okay? I'm not doing that. This is general stuff that could be true of any one of us, could be true of any church, right? But I want you to know, it's not me up here going on a rant about something that's actually going on in our church. This could happen to any of us. When grown-ups act like babies, it's repulsive. Think about a grown man who thinks everything's about him. A grown woman who is so easily offended that everyone is walking on eggshells. A church member who refuses to come back to church because someone didn't treat them like they were a special newborn congregations full of people insisting on their preferences, getting upset when the music is not to their tastes, or their family didn't get the same attention as that family, or they can't abide being asked to wear a mask, or they can't abide being around someone who won't wear a mask. Grown men and women acting like babies. Now, resist the urge to immediately go in your mind to someone else. So, yeah, I, I know someone who's like that. Let's apply this to ourselves and to our own hearts first. In what ways are we doing this? In what ways am I doing this? Think about what babies and toddlers do. And then think about all the times where we do the very same things. Babies and toddlers whine when they don't get what they want. You ever seen that before in a grown person? Babies and toddlers want everyone else to cater to their needs. They get upset when someone messes with their stuff or their territory. They make demands instead of acting, asking nicely. Babies and toddlers pout and guilt trip and are passive-aggressive. They refuse to submit to authority. They lash out and try to hurt others when they are offended. Brothers and sisters, how often do we do the very same things? We've got to grow up. The immature person, the immature Christian, is easily offended. They're always insisting on their rights, always focused on themselves. Contrast that with our Lord. Jesus, who as He was being murdered, prayed for the forgiveness of those who were killing Him. Think about Jesus. Did He ever insist on His rights? Did He ever focus on Himself to the exclusion of others? The immature Christian is easily offended, but it's very hard to offend a mature Christian. It's very hard to get a mature Christian to hold a grudge. It's very hard to get a mature Christian to do some of the things that we just talked about because they're hardly thinking about themselves at all. Which rolls us right into verses 5-9, through nine, which gives us a picture of the mature Christian. A picture of the mature Christian. A man by the name of Chip Stamm once said, a mature Christian is easily edified. A mature Christian is easily edified. Edified just means uplifted, encouraged spiritually. Mature Christians are easy to edify. It doesn't take much. I used to have a friend in college named Danny. Danny, if you're ever listening to this, I want you to know how thankful I am to your example toward the rest of us when we were in college. Danny was a very mature Christian. Danny used to tell me that Jesus was his best friend growing up, because he didn't have any others. And so Jesus was literally his best friend. That's, that He literally thought of Jesus as his best friend because he didn't have a best friend. And that grew him up and get, gave him a spiritual maturity that the rest of us were always looking up to him for when we were in college. Well, Danny could go to a church in, in the Lexington area. We went to U.K. He could go to a church in the Lexington area. It could have been a really small church, a little country church where the, the singing wasn't really very good and the music wasn't good and the preaching was just okay, he could go to church where they didn't speak his language and come back and tell us all about how great and wonderful the Lord is and how great and wonderful it was to be with brothers and sisters in Christ because he was a mature Christian, easily edified, versus the rest of us who were going off to churches and complaining about how everybody there wasn't like us. Complaining about how the music wasn't exactly the way we wanted it. A mature Christian is easily edified. In fact, we can couple that with what we just said about an immature Christian, and we could say this. An immature Christian is easy to offend and hard to edify. A mature Christian is hard to offend and easy to edify. Let me say that again. A mature Christian, or I mean immature, let's start with immature An immature Christian is easy to offend and hard to edify. A mature Christian is hard to offend and easy to edify. And so let me draw your attention to verses 5 through 9 and show you from this text five signs of a mature Christian, five marks of a mature Christian in verses 5 through 9. The first comes in verse 5. Look at it with me. In verse 5, we see that a mature Christian recognizes that we are all tools in the Master's hand. Look at what Paul says in verse 5. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Paul, Apollos, every single one of us, doesn't matter. We are all tools in the Master's hand. That puts things in perspective. God chooses what tool he wants to use for whatever job he wants to do it with. Mature Christians understand we are all tools in the Master's hand. The mature Christian recognizes in God's economy everyone is a servant. No one's work is more important than the other. We are all tools in His hand. Every now and then I'll talk to a couple at our church. Their names are Jerry and Pat Vaughn. And when I talk to Jerry and Pat every now and then I get jealous because Jerry and Pat were able to do something that I will never be able to do in my life. Jerry and Pat saw B.B. King in concert. And I am very upset that I was never able to do that because he's dead now. B.B. King once came to the University of Kentucky while I was there. Unfortunately, tickets were 80 bucks and back then 80 bucks was really hard to uh, wrestle up as a college student and I regret it all the time that I didn't find a way to get to see my favorite musical artist, my favorite guitarist, B.B. King. But think about this. If you're at a B.B. King concert, B.B. King's playing his famous black 335. He calls his guitar Lucille. He's playing Lucille. He's doing such a wonderful job. He's singing like nobody can sing. And then it's over. And then everybody gives a standing ovation and he walks off. Well, what happens at a concert when everybody's given a standing ovation and the, the main act walks off? You start cheering encore, right? Encore. Come back for more. Come back for a couple more songs. Well, how weird would it be if everybody's standing up cheering for B.B. King, encore, encore, And B.B. King's roadie comes out with the guitar and just walks it out like this. And then as everybody's cheering, he just goes, there it is. There's the guitar, right? Well, that's not what everybody wants. That's not what everybody wants to see. That guitar is not what everybody's there for. That guitar is not what everybody's praising. That guitar is just a tool. And in the hands of the master, well, he can bring out sounds that I certainly can't bring out out of a guitar, right? It's all about the tool being in the hands of the Master. The Master's the one that we're praising, right? Not the tool. But that's all of us. All of us are just tools in the hands of God. We don't deserve the praise. None of us deserve the praise. God deserves the praise. A mature Christian recognizes we are all tools in the Master's hand. second sign of a mature Christian comes in verses 6 through 7. The mature Christian... ...gives God all the glory and keeps none for themselves. In verse 6, Paul says, "...I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth." We are not really anything in the big scheme of things. God gets the glory. We keep none for ourselves. Think about his illustration with plants, planting and watering. Think about how a plant grows. If any of you guys have plants in your backyard, did you make that plant grow? Did you create the seed out of which can sprout a plant taller than a man? Did you create the processes in this world, the laws of nature by which that can happen? Jesus once said in Mark chapter 4, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Think about that for a moment. We can plant, we can water, but only God can do the work of making that seed grow into a fully formed plant. The mature Christian realizes none of us are the reason anything of worth happens in God's kingdom. It's God using us as His tools The third sign of a mature Christian comes in verse 6. The mature Christian is content with not seeing the fruit of their labor. The mature Christian is content with not seeing the fruit of their labor. Look at verse 6. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Charles Bridges once wrote, The seed that we plant may lie in the ground until we do, and only then sprout up. The seeds that you are planting for Christ today, you might never see the fruit from them. You might never see the plant sprout up from the seeds that you are planting. Are you content with that? Are you content with not seeing the fruit of your labor? With someone else reaping the fruit that you sowed? The mature Christian finds reward not in seeing the fruit of his work, but in being counted faithful by God. In John 4, Jesus says, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. I feel that personally, that verse. Because I've been at Columbia Christian Church about a year and some change, and I am reaping the fruit of the labors of Terry White and Raymond Martin and others who came before and others who were not ministers who planted seeds and perhaps are not even around now, many are not around now to see the growth that is happening from the seeds that they planted. I am reaping where I did not sow. And it's only by the grace of God. It is just like God. Just like God and the way He works in His kingdom to not let you see what comes of your labors. And to challenge you to be content with that. Are you content with someone else getting credit for something that you did? Are you content with other Christians enjoying the benefits of something that you worked hard for? Because, let me tell you, you are enjoying the benefits of things that you did not work hard for. And in God's providence, that's how He wants it. So that He gets the glory, and not us. The mature Christian realizes none of us are the reason anything of worth happens in God's kingdom. We are like John the Baptist, pointing people to Jesus, and if people go to Jesus and see Jesus and forget about us, job well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. If they see Jesus, they see His glory, and they forget about you, that's what we want The fourth sign of a mature Christian comes in verse 8. The mature Christian leaves it up to God to judge the work and give rewards. Notice in verse 8 how Paul says, Each will receive his wages according to his labor. So I have no right, nor do I have the perspective, to judge anyone else's work in the Lord. I have no right, nor do I have the perspective to judge anyone else's work in the Lord. The grandmother who writes cards to people might very well bring more people to Christ than the preacher. Now I'm here to tell you we're good at this because by human nature, we are constantly comparing ourselves to one another. Comparing ourselves to other people so that we can feel better about ourselves. We really do this a lot in churches. Let's compare our church to someone else's church. Let's find everything that's wrong with another church so that we can feel better about our own. And Paul says, and God says, no, you leave it up to God to judge the work of someone else because you have no idea what's going on under the surface. Think about a plant as it grows. Most of the work happens in a place you cannot see. You can't even see what's going on most of the time. And in the same way, the ministries of other churches, the ministries of other people, the work that other people are doing for Christ, you have no idea how that seed will eventually sprout and bring forth a harvest. We have no idea until the judgment day when God brings to light everything and deals out wages, deals out rewards in His own way. We have to trust the Lord to do that because we do not have the right nor the perspective to sit in judgment over anyone else's work in the Lord, over anyone else's ministry. The mature Christian refuses to be critical of the ministries of others and refuses to think too highly of their own. Think about Jesus Himself who said in Mark chapter 10, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first must be slave of all. Greatness in the kingdom of God is not what the world sees as greatness. Greatness in the kingdom of God is going low is serving. I often think how in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth, how it will be a privilege of someone like me to mow the yard of some unsuspecting, quiet servant of God that did not receive any recognition here on earth, that did not receive any attention here on earth, but was faithful day in and day out it will be a privilege of mine to mow that old lady's grass in heaven, to take care of her landscaping. Because in God's economy, it doesn't work like the world's economy. Finally, the fifth sign of a mature Christian comes in verses 8 through 9. The mature Christian works together with other Christians toward a common purpose, embracing the fact that we have different roles working together with other Christians, embracing the fact that we have different roles. Look at verses 8 and 9. He who plants and he who waters are one. Verse 9, we are God's fellow workers. The mature Christian realizes we all have our roles to play. The mature Christian does not feel slighted if their role seems less recognized than the role of someone else. The mature Christian is content. No matter what ministry God has given them. Why? Because it is simply a privilege beyond all privileges even to be in the Lord's family. We will take whatever role He gives us because it is an absolute privilege to just be in His family. We don't deserve that. It's a privilege to be adopted into the Lord's family. So if God wants me to clean toilets... For His kingdom, I will gladly do it. Because it's just a privilege to be in His family. If if God would entrust me with anything at all, what an amazing privilege that is. Think about it. If Jesus showed up visibly to you today and said, would you scrub toilets for my glory for the rest of your life? Can I entrust you with that task? You would be the best toilet scrubber in the history of the world. Because Jesus asked you to do it. It's a privilege to just be in His family. And so it doesn't matter what role He gives us. It doesn't matter if my role is less recognition than someone else's. It doesn't matter if my role seems more menial than someone else's. I will do the lowliest of tasks for God because the fact that He would entrust me with anything is, is a grace beyond anything I ever deserve. The mature Christian realizes that. The mature Christian realizes it's a privilege to work hand-in-hand with brothers and sisters. It's a privilege. When one of us succeeds, we all succeed. Think about this. If we all started praying really hard for revival at Columbia Christian Church, we just asked the Lord, we begged the Lord, we fasted, and we said, God, send your fire down here. Start a revival right here. Would we be content if he started a revival at the church down the road, would we be happy about that? Could we rejoice in that? Or would we be jealous because it didn't happen here? We wanted it to happen here, not there. Could we rejoice with our brothers and sisters in Christ if God did it somewhere else and not here? The mature Christian could. And so... As we look at this picture of maturity and immaturity, let me ask you a question for self-reflection. Have you grown in the past few years? Ask yourself, have you grown in Christ in the past few years? Are you digesting spiritual food today that you could not have digested a few years ago? You see, in life, in the, the physical world in life, if, if you don't do much of anything, if you just coast, you're going to grow up in some ways. If you're born and you just live, even if you're lazy, you're going to grow up in some ways. You're going to get bigger. Your brain's going to develop. You're going to learn things. Even if you coast through life, you're going to grow up in some ways. But in Christianity, it's not like that. In Christianity, if you coast, you remain stagnant. And in churches all across America... There are people who have been Christians for decades who still need milk and not solid food. People who have been Christians for years who are still not skilled enough in the Word to teach, even though they should be teachers by this time. People who are content with milk for the rest of their lives. People who are content with acting like a child in their faith, even though they should be a man or a woman of God, leading others to be men or women of God. And so, let's say you're sitting there and you're being brutally honest with yourself, as we always should, and you're saying, I haven't grown in a long time. I haven't. I haven't grown in my relationship with Christ. What do I do? I cannot recommend highly enough a book that I'm about to start going through with some guys here in the church called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by a guy named Donald Whitney. Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, it's all about the disciplines or the habits that we can incorporate into our lives to help us grow in Christ. And it's not as though we're, we're, we're so strong in and of ourselves that we're going to make ourselves grow. It's not as though we have such a strong will that I'm going to make myself grow Now, these are spiritual disciplines where where you place yourself at the foot of God's throne and allow Him to work on you, allow Him to grow you. One of those things is Bible reading. Do you read this thing Monday through Saturday? Do you have a time each day where you read God's Word? Now, I'm not talking about a devotional booklet, right? There's, There's many Christians out there who substitute a devotional book for Bible reading. Their time with God is one verse and then the author's thoughts about those verses. That is not enough to grow you spiritually. Okay, Don't substitute that for the Bible with your time with God. Go to the source. Go to God's Word. Read a couple chapters every day. You would be amazed, amazed at what would happen to your spiritual life if you would just read a couple chapters every day for the next year amazed at what would happen in your spiritual life. Spiritual disciplines are things like prayer. Do you have a time every day where you sit down, where you get with the Lord, where you pray to Him, where you confess your sins to Him, where you ask Him for things that are on your heart, where you spend time with Him, not just hearing from Him, but letting Him hear from you? And I'm not just talking about praying whenever the mood hits you. Do you have a disciplined time each day when you pray. Spiritual disciplines are things like fellowship with other believers. I'm not talking about spending time with other Christians just hanging out. I'm talking about fellowship where you encourage one another in the Lord, where you confess your sins to one another, where you speak spiritual truths into one another's life and you come away feeling refreshed from God because of being around that person. Spiritual disciplines are things like silence and solitude. Journaling could be a spiritual discipline if you do it in the right way. Fasting. Gathering for worship consistently. These are all spiritual disciplines that help us to grow in Christ. But I'll leave you with this. Jesus died on the cross. Not just so that you could be born, like born again, Not just so that you could be born, but so that you could grow up to maturity. To maturity in Christ. Think about this. For those of you who have had kids, when you had your baby, I understand that if the wife is pregnant, there is a celebration that she is no longer pregnant and having to experience those feelings, right? But when you have your baby, you don't celebrate like your parenting is done. You don't celebrate like, we've reached the goal as parents, we had a baby, right? That's not the goal. No, the goal is for that child to grow up into maturity, to be a mature man or a woman, to put their own faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to grow to where they can then help others to come to know Jesus Christ. That's the goal. The goal's not over when the kid's born. The goal is maturity, right? And in the same way, Jesus died not just to make you born again, but to make you mature and complete in him so that you could be the type of Christian that is helping others to then grow and be mature and complete. I'll leave you with Ephesians 4, 13 through 16. This is where we'll end. Ephesians 4, 13 through 16. Listen to these words in light of what we just talked about into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here in just a moment, Dwayne's going to play the piano for us for just a bit. And as he does, I ask each one of you to respond to God's Word in your heart in silent prayer for just a moment. It's getting louder. The Lord's blessing us with a lot of rain right now. might just be another way that the Lord's saying, I'm here. I'm here. And so we're going to pray silently as we listen to that rain, as we listen to this soft music that Dwayne's going to play, and we're going to respond to whatever God has put on our hearts this morning. And then after a few minutes of silent prayer and silent response, I'm going to come back and I'm going to give us a chance to respond publicly for those who might feel like they need to do that. Okay? And so let's respond to God silently now in prayer together.